Welcome to Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, and this is a happy, hippie place where magic with a K meets the law of attraction. Hi, thanks for joining me for episode 328 of Hippie Witch, Magic for a New Age. My name is Joanna DeVoe, and I am the kooky creatrix behind Kick-Ass Witch, putting the K in magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and all that good shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com. Or back on the description page for this episode, back on Blog Talk Radio. Today, I'm going to talk about Saturn again. <laughs> so you're either going, wah, wah, or yay, I'm a yay. Let's talk about Saturn kind of person, because I have been working with Saturn since the summer of 2015, and the lessons never End. So I will name this episode something to do with the lessons of Saturn. Blee blah blue. I don't know. I don't know. It'll it'll be named something like that because that's what I want to talk about today. And uh, I'm just gonna hop right in into it. So because time is of the essence, I tend to work with Saturn. In a couple of ways, I guess, I see him as Father Time and the Lord of Karma. So I will try to talk about that. And I get a lot of questions about, what do you mean you work with Saturn or whoever I'm talking about, Athena? I am talking about an archetype working with a pattern of energy that a lot of people have invested in over many, many hundreds of years, tapping into that But also, I think I work in a very, uh, how would I say that? A practical way, and not necessarily that I think there's this entity named Saturn sitting on a cloud, uh, you know, (laughs) instructing me and and handing me down lessons. I, I believe I'm just most likely... I guess I don't have a solid belief about it, but I think what I'm doing is tapping in to the Saturnian part of myself. I'm just accessing a part of myself that was very, 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 very flabby, (laughs) like like so jiggly flabby (laughs) for most of my adult life. So for, for me, working with Saturn has been completely life-altering and business-altering. You may notice that I haven't sent a newsletter out in a while, and I just took a week and a half off the podcast, and I haven't been making videos. That is because I am in the process. I am definitely in limbo transition time of restructuring my business. I When I hear structure, I think Saturn. When I hear Saturn, I think structure. That is a key Saturn word, structure. And I've realized in working with Saturn that this is something I cannot do with my mind. (laughs) I used to love, I still do. I'm like such a planner. I love to plan on paper and write down all my big fat plans. And I can work things out really well on paper or just sitting here talking to you. My mind thinks it's invincible. My mind has no concept of of 
the limits of time or anything like that. And so I can put down an awesome plan on paper, but it doesn't always translate into the limits of 3D reality. So I am just letting Saturn school me for a while on what the new structure for my business will be, and that could take as long as it needs to take. So we're just riding through this transition together. I try to show up for you here as often as I can. Most Tuesdays and Saturdays, I'm posting a podcast, and that is the most consistent thing I'm doing right now. That is what I'm committed to. I am currently writing on assignment, and that is taking up a lot of my time. And I just needed a break because I'm either writing or talking. (laughs) So I'm doing coaching calls. I'm doing podcasts, not just here. I do them for Patreon as well. And then I write and write and write and write. I have my own projects I'm working on and now I'm writing on assignment. And so it's all just like brain, 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 air sign up in your head kind of stuff. And I just needed, I just needed some time to putter around, to get, to get into a Saturn. Saturn is really rules the manifest reality. So it felt really good to just, if I had time to pay attention to what's going on with my house and my garden and my kid and my body and get very physical as kind of the antidote to all of the talking, talking, writing, writing, talking, writing, talking, writing, talking, writing, 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 talking that I have been doing. (laughs) That's definitely my lane. That's what I love to do. That's what I'm good at. That's what I do. Uh, But also learning about Saturn has taught me that that's not all there is. And injury happens, depression happens, anxiety happens, uh, pain, relationship breakdown, all kinds of things happen if you stay up in your head, which as a Libra, I am prone to do. I have Capricorn rising. Saturn rules Capricorn. Or you could say the ascendant. I have Uh, my ascendant is Capricorn and I have a very unique take on what the ascendant or your rising sign means. And I say it's unique. It was not my idea. I don't remember where I originally heard this, but many years ago, the way I heard the way, the way I heard it was that your ascendant, if you're into astrology or your rising sign is what you're growing into. It's what you're becoming. It's who you will be when you're a mature adult. It's the lessons. It's a little bit like your North Node. It's like where you're headed, what you need to embody to be your fullest self in this incarnation. And that has always resonated with me. What I see now and in in recent years as the explanation for what the rising or the ascendant is, is that that's how people experience you. That's how people see you. That's, it's basically how I would think of your sun sign. So um, I just want to put that out there for those of you who are into astrology. I see the ascendant or the rising sign in a different way. If you would have met me 10 years ago, you would have seen no Capricorn-y anything. <laughs> it's like at all. I'm like, I was all Libra. Like, 
you know, like very into, I'm still that way. I mean, it's probably why you listen to the podcast. I'm very friendly. I like to make people feel uncomfortable. (laughs) I like to make people feel comfortable and welcome. And I like to make my space beautiful. And I'm vain. I'm all the things you think of when you think of a Libra. But, um, you know, Capricorn, you know, you couldn't accuse me of being responsible or uh, punctual <laughs> or organized. If you had met me 10 years ago, you'd be like, yeah, you are Capricorn deficient girl. And so <laughs> it makes sense to me when I think, yes, I'm growing into that. You might, you might actually come to my house and, and look at all my little files and stuff and see how I'm running my business and be like, yeah, okay. I totally see the Capricorn thing going on. That's something I've had to grow into, and I've really been doing that since the summer of 2015. So before I get into telling you the lessons that I want to share that I have been thinking about lately in working with this energy, I also want to bring it back to what I said in terms of working with this archetype in a practical way. There, I have tools. I have tools. So you don't have to believe in archetypes at all to work with this kind of energy or this aspect of yourself. If you want to just take Saturn out of the equation, you could work with these tools and probably learn all the same lessons, all the same. And they are my timer method that I talk a lot about. I set a timer and I do this in two, I'm sorry, I'm like thinking in my head, how much should I repeat things that I've said? But for people who are listening for the first time, I will tell you what my timer method is. I set a timer and this works in two ways. It keeps me from wasting time. So if I want to do something that's fun or frivolous or indulgent, uh, or maybe it's something that I really want to do or even something that's important, but it's not one of my top priorities, I set the timer and it it sets me free. I don't have to keep looking at the clock. I know I have 20 minutes to catch up with social media when the timer dings. It doesn't matter if I haven't answered anybody's everybody's comments. It doesn't matter if I've seen everything I want to see. I move on when the timer dings. And it it creates this freedom for me to not I don't know. It just takes so much anxiety out of the equation when I know I literally don't have to worry about it and that this little timer is going to ding to remind me it's, oh, it's time to move on. That was fun. Nice. Okay, let's move on to the next thing. The other way it works for me is is when I don't want to do something or if I have any kind of resistance. So if you have to file, let's say, your taxes and you find that very overwhelming, You set the timer for 15 minutes. Like, you can do anything for 15 minutes, right? And you're like, just for 15 minutes, I'm just going to sit here and look at these papers and see if I can figure this out and start to fill them out. When the timer goes off, one of two things will happen. You'll either be like, in it, and you're like, oh, this isn't as bad as I thought it was, and you're on a roll, so you just keep going, and you sit there, and you finish your taxes. Or you're like, whoo, relief. But you actually got something done and you made some progress. So the next time you sit down to face your taxes, 
you have a little success under your belt, you might decide to stretch the time for a little bit longer. You might go 20 minutes the next time or dare I say 30 minutes the next time until it's finally done. So that is what I mean when I say the timer method. It is I'm going to talk about this in the body here of the episode, but to me, Saturn is the key to personal freedom, which is ironic and may seem counterintuitive when you first like start reading about Saturn. It's all about limits and uh, boundaries and structure. The huge irony of this is it sets you free. <laughs> That's what I have found. Um, okay, so then the other tool is the 12-week year, which I've talked a lot about. I still feel like I am learning the 12-week year. I'm on my third. Am I on my third 12-week year or my fourth 12-week year? Jeez, Louise, how many did I do in 2017? I think I'm on. I think I'm on my third 12-week year. I'm about to finish my third 12-week year. And a 12-week year is, I guess, it, it's like a little mind game you play on yourself in which each week represents a month. And when each week represents a month and 12 weeks represents a year, it really forces you to focus on what your top priorities are and every single day becomes very, very important. And... I can't imagine stopping this practice and I'm still very much acclimating to it and learning it and getting used to it. I have 44 years of habits and rhythms that I'm now like trying to change and that takes a lot of time. So if you take on the 12 week year, I recommend letting yourself be a hot mess, <laughs> especially the first time, and just learn. You just just watch yourself trying to do this and see like, hmm, yo, this is way harder than I thought it would be. It's very illuminating in terms of what your habits are, what you tend to gravitate toward, what you tend to avoid, how that's impacting the results that you get. And there's a book called The 12 Week year. So you can Google the 12 week year and learn all about it. The other thing that I use is very expensive. I'm not telling you to get it. I'm just saying it works for me. And that is the full focus planner, the full focus planner, very fancy planner that I have that works so well with the 12 week year. I, I got it to work specifically with the 12 week year because it's it's basically a 12-week planner. It's a little bit more, but it's, it's, it's designed to take you through a quarter of a year for similar reasons. So I won't get into that in detail. You can just Google full focus planner and check it out if that interests you. So those are the tools that I work with. My tools of Saturn, the timer, the planner, the 12-week year. <laughs> so I want to talk. I have three ideas in my head. Three lessons. We'll see where these lessons take us. Uh, three lessons from Saturn that I've been thinking about lately. The first is the material plane moves much more slowly than the realm of the mind. <laughs> Very obvious, right? This is a major aha for me. For me, it's an important thing to grasp as an airy Libra who spent decades married to the kind of illusions of mind that 
Have you convinced it will only take 30 minutes to clean a 1,600-square-foot house with poor insulation for cats and a super crumb-generating kid? Or that I'll only need an hour to answer 45 emails? Or one day of rest every other month? (laughs) Can you completely transform your body in 10 days? Or write an entire novel in three weeks? Hell if I know. I don't know. Maybe you can, but working with Saturn as father in time has shown me that there are limits to what I can achieve within the confines of 24 hours, a third of which must be devoted to sleep. So you might be listening to this going like, yeah, duh, that's totally obvious. But I am still in the process of learning to not be that person who thinks that they can get across town in five minutes to meet a friend when there are eight miles and 24 red lights between us. (laughs) That's just, I don't know. Maybe you don't struggle with that. That's something I've struggled with that Saturn has helped me come to grips with. One sobering Saturnian moment had me doing some math, which is not my favorite thing, math. Um, But in doing a bit of math, I realized that God, now I'm like literally second guessing myself as I say this because math is not my favorite thing. I'm starting to (laughs) already I'm jumping on my own mind going, what if you did the math wrong? What if you did the math wrong? Okay, I'm just going to move forward with what I was going to (laughs) say. In doing a bit of math, I realized that two hours of daily social media use Two hours of daily social media use adds up to 730 hours a year, or what is the equivalent of an entire month, a whole month. Are you willing to dedicate one whole month out of your year to Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat or all of the above? What else could you do with that time? What could you achieve if you cut that social media use even just in half? If you cut one of those two Facebook hours from every day, you would, you'd be gaining 365 hours a year to devote to the creation of something you care about. 365 hours dedicated to eating dinner every night face-to-face with your loved ones around the table without phones or computers or the TV. Just each other and the desire to connect over a good meal. Sounds very old-fashioned, doesn't it? (laughs) I just saw this morning on Twitter, what was the original question? It was something about what, looking back on your childhood, what about it makes you feel your childhood was privileged? Something like that. And it was fascinating to me. People's answers, it was largely the freedom people felt before the internet And tons of stuff about grandmas and grandpas spending time with family, 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 and then eating dinner around the table. And I'm like, yeah, those that's that's freedom. That was love. That was beauty. And it's fascinating that here's a bunch of grown people on the Internet remembering the days before the Internet and and how what a privilege that was. And I just wanted to scream at, at, at the computer like, it's not too late. You can create that for yourself right now. So eating dinner with your family might actually be 
worth more than stalking each and every thread of debate that dangles from the hem of Donald J. Trump's latest tweet. Or hate watching the half dozen women you are convinced have better lives than yours on Instagram. Like, what could you do with that extra hour in your day? What could you do with it? Hand illustrate your own book of shadows, learn to play guitar, surf, ride bikes with your best friend, soul cycle, cook your way through Julia Child's The Joy of Cooking, one recipe at a time, and then blog the entire process. <laughs> Wait a minute, somebody already did that. So there, you know it's possible. Although, having watched Julie and Julia a half dozen times in my life, I can safely say that some of those recipes took much longer than one hour, but I think you probably get, you probably get my drift. <laughs> also, absolutely zero, no shame if you're hearing this and going, yeah, but I actually, I love hanging out online. Social media is totally worth spending a month out of my year. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do that. I love it. That's where my tribe is and the sense of connection that I get from those interactions allows me to then like sanely get through the other 22 hours of my day. If that is you, awesome. Just make sure that you're making that choice deliberately and with real intention. I think that Saturn would ask you to do that. One of the best things you can do to get yourself to a place where you feel capable of making a choice like that deliberately and with real intention involves a little experiment I want to share with you. It might sound overwhelming at first, but it's, it's super, super illuminating and it's not as hard as it sounds. I promise, I promise you can do this just like in a couple seconds at the top of every hour. So, so th this is the experiment. Should you choose to take it on? It goes like this. Um, and I say a week long experiment, but even three days could be illuminating and an entire month of this would be a major deep dive into this experiment, which is basically this. So first make a list of three to five goals you must achieve in the next couple of years to feel the way you want to feel. Happy, free, empowered, whatever, whatever it is for you. Whatever it is for you, choose three goals, five at the most, and then put that list aside for the next step, which is the step that takes three to 30 days, let's say, but probably a week. So for one whole week, track the hours of your day. You, you can actually set an alarm on your phone to subtly, not like a scary, big, loud alarm, but just to subtly chime every hour, reminding you to make another entry on that day's calendar or that day's, you know, you just track your hours like that. My planner has that built in like hour by hour by hour because it's a productivity, the full focus planner. It's a productivity planner. So a lot of planners have that where it has the little, you know, six o'clock, seven o'clock, eight o'clock. But you can just write that on a on a legal on a legal pad too. So if you wake up at seven a.m., you would first thing when you wake up write in the seven a.m. spot the number of hours that you just slept. So I slept 
eight hours. Yay! If you got eight hours, good for you. And then at 8 a.m., you write what you did between 7 and 8. So you write getting the kids up and ready for school. 9 a.m., you write Starbucks, drive-through, Starbucks drive-through, and carpool, getting the kids in their their school. (laughs) 10 a.m., you write email, Twitter, and breakfast. So so from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m., you ate your breakfast while answering email and scrolling through Twitter, something like that. You see what I'm saying? And uh, so at the top of each hour, you just record what you did for that hour. And, uh, and then you do that all the way through to bedtime. It's just for one week. But if that sounds really overwhelming to you, like I said, three days will still, it'll still give you some insight about how you are prioritizing your time and uh, and then if you're super duper devoted to the process, 30 days, like a whole month, will take you through an entire moon and hormonal cycle, which will give you an even bigger picture because, you know, three days of PMS is not the same as three days when you're at peak ovulation or the moon is full. Like our energy changes. So tracking, it depends on what three days you track, Right. And so that's why the longer you can do this process, the more clear of a picture you're going to get. The longer you can do this, the more pattern recognition will emerge. You'll start to see patterns, and those patterns are really important. That, that's, that's the juicy stuff. That's what you're going to look at. So after you've done your three days, your week, your month, whatever you decide to do, you take your original list, the one with your three to five goals written on it, And you have some fun with math. I can't even say that with a straight face. (laughs) Math is my worst subject. It is. I I need to make that statement untrue. I need to learn to make friends with it. Fun with math. I met a very fun math teacher on Twitter, speaking of social media, in the Wizarding World Book Club. Jason Powell. He teaches algebra to high schoolers. And and so I'm assuming that math can be fun because Jason is fun and Potterheads are fun. And so math, <laughs> math, you, you going back to you and what you're doing here with the experiment, you then look over the hours you tracked during your experiment and you see how many hours, how many hours do you average in a day making some kind of headway toward the goals that you feel are truly important. And then then you're at the point of choice. Then you get to choose. Then you get to say, oh, yes, I actually don't want to spend blah, blah, blah amount of hours on X, Y, Z. That's not even important to me. What am I doing? I'm just sitting here like escaping my life or entertaining myself or passing time or getting distracted by all the, you know, shiny, pretty things. When meanwhile, my whole sense of purpose or my, or the big dreams of my heart are being neglected. So it's, I think it's a revolutionary exercise. Revolutionize your life. I could be an infomercial person. I feel like I could. (laughs) Okay. So number two, Number two, we'll get through number two really fast. It's easier 
to stay in shape than it is to get in shape. This is something that I so arrogantly used to say. (laughs) I can't believe I said this to people. I would say this to people. I remember saying it to my mom specifically um, when I back when I was just like, I've always been in, in pretty good shape. But when I was young, I mean, I didn't really have a concept of what it means to, to be in shape and stay in shape because I was just like skinny as a rail and and um, I could eat anything I wanted and you know, work out whenever I felt like it and stuff like that. And um, so I didn't really have a real grasp on what I was saying when I said that to people in re- in, in reference. <laughs> so rude when I think about it in reference to um, getting in shape physically and like working out. Right. But it's true. It is easier to stay in shape than it is to get in shape. And What I've learned in working with Saturn is that this is true not just of your physical body. It's true of taking care of your home. Good Lord, do I know that. (laughs) Try going decades. As a a paper producing, I just magically produce papers. I feel like I walk and like 50 pieces of paper like (laughs) fly out from every step. I'm just like a paper producing (laughs) machine. writing and scribbling little notes on everything. So try going a couple decades like that, being a crazy book nerd, book hoarder, the kind of person that just like walks out of your clothes and then just kind of like throws them in the corner for the next time you need them. I lived like that for a long time. And then try just to try to get it all in shape. That might take you years. It's taken me years. And I promise you, I will never let it get like that again because I have learned hardcore that it's easier to stay in shape than it is to get in shape. This is true of your schedule. If you run your own business, if it, it applies to everything. Thank you, Saturn. Taking care of your car. Taking, keeping your car in shape. Like, really, really take this number two lesson to heart and it will serve you so well it is easier to stay in shape than it is to get in shape I know again this is an obvious thing right this is not a big aha moment unless you have been living your life contrary to that and a lot of people do because we go for instant gratification I think we're in we are having an epidemic of instant gratification in a way because uh, I, I always say microwave technology, which really dates me, but really microwave technology and now the internet and um, our phones, everything we've learned to keep giving ourselves like these dopamine hits, dopamine hits, dopamine hits. You get a dopamine hit everybody every time somebody likes a fake Facebook post that literally like lights up the happy part of your brain and then it goes away and then you need another one. So we're being trained to kind of pleasure ourselves all day long in this way that is not deeply satisfying, that does not connect us to our purpose, that does not make our dreams come true. It just keeps us like ding, 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 pushing the button like a monkey over and over and over and over and over again. And so we decide, I actually... I know I should eat those vegetables that I bought that are currently rotting in my refrigerator, but I think this is another pizza and ice cream night because it's just easier and I don't want to miss this TV show. Stuff like that. Like, 
we make choices like that. And then we find ourselves, we're not in shape anymore. Or you walk out of your clothes and you throw them in a pile. And then you have to be somewhere and you can't find the red shirt that you need to get to the thing. And you're digging through all the piles and you're making yourself late and you're making yourself anxious. Whereas if you just hung the damn red shirt up in the closet where it belongs, it would be there right when you need it. That's what I mean by it's easier to stay in shape than it is to get in shape. And Saturn has taught me that. Moving on, <laughs> this one kind of to me encapsulates the whole thing. The opposite of fear is freedom. The opposite of fear is freedom. I know some people would say the opposite of love is freedom, and we can debate about that all day long. This is just an idea, okay? The op- this is how the opposite of fear has presented itself to me in working with Saturn. I also could sit here all day long arguing about does love even have an opposite? I feel like there's love and there's the opposite of love. But that's just a personal belief. Number three, the opposite of fear is freedom. Freedom is what we're talking about here today. (laughs) So this is something you have to experience, I think, to really, really understand. So I want to kind of dive into that. And I think there are There's maybe more, but there are at least two ways that you can experience that the opposite of fear is freedom for yourself and really like take that lesson to heart. And the first and most common way is something you've done a bajillion times at this point in your life. Uh, It's when you move through fear to freedom as a natural progression from appropriately responding to fear's warnings. So this usually happens pretty instantaneously. It's when you step back onto the curb when you hear a motorcycle speeding toward the crosswalk. Or or you cross the street to the other side when someone who gives you a bad vibe is headed your way. Or you run to perform the Heimlich maneuver on your kid when he's choking on a Lego. Or when scary dude at the mall tries to grab you against your will, you kick him in the balls and you run to find security. And proving, let's say, that fear is good. Fear is necessary. We need it. So you get that whoosh, that adrenaline rush of fear. You feel it and you act. That's its, that's its, that's its whole uh, purpose. It's to get you to take action. We've just learned to like... Gosh, we have we we need to unlearn bad habits of escape and denial, pushing fear down, being afraid of fear, fear of fear itself gets us into all kinds of problems. But fear, this kind of fear that I'm talking about, it's good. It's necessary and we need it. I often say that fear is a liar, but I really mean the kind of fear that keeps us playing small. So I guess I'm thinking of this, in, in, that there's two different kinds of fear. There's the kind of fear I just described about kicking the guy in the balls and running to get security. And then there's the kind of, like, fear. It's unnecessary fear. And that, and that I think, is what I really want to focus on here. The unnecessary fear that is the result of childhood conditioning 
and the programming that stems from someone else's fear that might originally have been born out of necessity, but at this point, five generations in, it's completely unnecessary. It's just an old program. And those old programs end up running so much of our lives. So that kind of fear, you can learn to move through and you will eventually get to a place of freedom. And that's when you really experience, whoa, the opposite of fear is freedom. When I release that fear or I learn to even just move through that fear to say like, oh, I still feel it, but I'm going to feel the fear and do it anyway, you get to a place of freedom. That happens when when you just finally learn to... Um, maybe put to rest unnecessary fear or you just have some like tools that you use to move through it. And this is the second and to me the more exciting of the two ways that you can experience the idea that the opposite of fear is freedom. And I'm purposely repeating this over and over and over again because I would love for you to like really get that, that the opposite of fear is freedom. The interesting thing that happens when you move through a fear like that is often it'll it'll you'll still keep encountering it from time to time. It just ceases to control you and thus the freedom you feel in its wake. So you still are like, "Ooh, I'm afraid to make that phone call." But I know, <laughs> I know that's like an unnecessary, unproductive fear based on some old programming and I'm just going to make the phone call. Anyway, and there's lots of different techniques you can do to, to get to that place where it's like, yeah, there's the fear, but I'm going to do this thing anyway. I'm not going to go into all the ways that you can do that here because that would take a year. <laughs> it's literally the crux of my work. Like that's mainly what I create programs and products around. Um, shadow work is, of course, huge in in getting to that place for yourself. And, and if you want my personal take on that, I recommend doing the shadow love journey. It's an audio journey that I created called shadow love. Um, and I will definitely link to that in the show notes. I think it's awesome. I'm very proud of that. Uh, one of the eBooks that I wrote also is super handy too for, for, moving through life despite fear. Like there's some cool tools you can use in there and that is called, I don't know why I name my things. Like I give them these long subtitles. I don't know. I like to do that, I guess. It's called The Spiritually Mature Witch, Five Keys to Unlocking Your Personal Power. And I will link to that as well in the show notes. So I will have two links for you there. Um, other things that help, I would say tapping or EFT, emotional freedom technique. You can Google that. Tapping on, on energetic meridian points on your body and saying affirmations is awesome for training your nervous system to move through unnecessary fear. Um, a lot of people lean on prayer, spirit guides, mantras, affirmations. It all works depending on what works for you. So I recommend just playing with all of it. And when something works, like hang on to it, like put it into practice. There are so many layers to fear, which, which is, it's exciting when you're on a mission to move past it. And I am, I, I, I'm, I feel like I've taken up fear as a hobby kind of in this way. And that Saturn has really helped me with that. 
Um, because each each new layer of fear that is shed reveals its opposite and a new level of personal freedom. So they shrink and grow in direct proportion to each other, which is amazing. And gosh, I mean, for me, like freedom, when I mean freedom, I mean peace from the noise band of critics in your head or just the confidence to walk into any room without apology. That's what I mean when I'm talking about freedom, peace in the brain. And, and it's worth staying connected to the process and getting to know your fear intimately, like making friends with it, staying open to it. Saturn for me too has been, it has shown me my fear, which I did not expect when I first started working with Saturn. I I think my original, it's very hard to connect with the original reason I, I, I started working with Saturn. It was definitely astrological. I noticed a bunch of stuff going on at that particular time in my chart and that kind of prompted me to do some digging around. And I think what like really hooked me in was this idea of structure, 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 structure became the key word. I had no idea it was going to bring up some major, major fears for me. And then what a gift that would be. Uh, so it's been super instructive in learning about and dealing with my own fear. This, I believe, too, is in part why Saturn is sometimes associated with Satan. Because Saturn rules the material realities of life, the material realm, this 3D reality. And he shows us our limitations, our physical, geographical, mental, and emotional limitations as well as the limitations of time and this was so unexpected (laughs) for me in working with the father of time like how free can you be from the inside inside your own headspace and energetic body when you really come down to earth and ground into the realities of the present moment I paused there because I actually wanted you to think about that. (laughs) It makes me think. Like, how free can you be mentally and emotionally when you really, really ground into the present moment and the realities of, of, of the physical reality all around you? What are your favorite methods of escape? Like, how do you escape time and how is that serving you? And then conversely, how might it serve you if you chose instead to not escape and to just deal with it? Saturn asks you to deal. Deal with the hand you've been dealt. Deal with the heat and the ants and the groceries and the poop and the traffic and the deadlines in full presence. Hmm. He's also known as, which I mentioned at the top of the show, the Lord of Karma. And this really resonates with me as well, because when I hear karma, I think of cause and effect. I don't worry about past life transgressions that may have followed me into this incarnation. I don't even know if I believe in that. But I do consider the consequences of my action and my actions. And in that way, I aim to be the cause 
to the desired effect. And I can work with karma in that way. And um, then just circling back to fear, like actions, and, and circling back to fear, but also keeping in mind Saturn is the lord of karma, actions taken from a place of fear, votes cast, judgments made, words said, it's not usually good. <laughs> fear, fear-based cause creates a fear-inducing effect typically. Fear begets fear. It is a vicious cycle. And um, that is a really powerful lesson that I have learned. And if you're listening to all of this and it's a lot of information and maybe you're like, I don't actually want to do that little experiment that you laid out for me, Joanna, that sounds like a lot of work. Something you can do that is less work, but it is demanding. It demands that that you're committed to staying in the process is to, to get a journal and let, call it your book of fear, (laughs) the book of fear, (laughs) the book of fear. If you don't want to call it that, call it the book of freedom and, but let your fear write journal entries for you. So when you're afraid, you just write out what you're afraid of. And you can date it, but you can just quickly, this can be very messy and very scribbly. You just write like, I'm afraid if I tell my friend X, Y, Z, they will, they will react this way and then they won't be my friend anymore. And that's it. You don't analyze it. You don't think about it. You just write it down and then you keep going throughout your day. I'm afraid if I do this, this will happen. And then that will mean blah, blah, blah. And you just kind of go at go at it. You just record, record. Every time your fear has an idea or an opinion or is stopping you from doing something, you write it down. And then when you feel like it, when you have some time, then you can look it over. And again, this is where pattern recognition comes up, which I also think is Saturn is very helpful for. You start to see, oh my gosh, I'm afraid of the same thing over and over and over again. And then bingo, you have identified an unnecessary fear. And you can see the way that when you let that fear make choices for you, it creates an effect that you might not necessarily love. And then again, it gives you your power back because then you get to make a different choice. You might not make a different choice for quite a while, but if you keep with the journaling, you you just start to get fed up with it. Like, oh my God, not again, the same old fear. And it finally has a compound effect where you're like, enough, and you finally make a different choice. I'm telling you, like, little, little, little projects like that are amazing and so illuminating. And I hope this podcast was helpful for you. I can see, I just looked at the clock. Speaking of father time, it's 12.03, now 12.04 p.m., And these Tuesday episodes are supposed to go up at noon, so I'm officially four minutes late. But I don't mind because I said everything I wanted to say. Uh, I hope this was helpful for you. I hope you are having an amazing spring, almost summer. I'm going to send a discount out in the next newsletter for the summer solstice module of the Psycho Spiritual Wheel of the Year. So open your email, people. When I have the time, I will be sending you an email with a very sweet discount code for that. Until we meet again, much love to you. Peace. 
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, oh.